This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the Gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the Gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. As you know, we have been doing themed shows for quite some time now, and today as Theologian Thursday. I want you to know that the men that I'm in the room with are extremely principled individuals. And so we would never talk about Christmas in the month of November. That that is that is not something that we would do. We think that in general broad society is is rushing the holiday. And so today I don't want you to think that this is us talking about Christmas. We're, this is Theologian Thursday, and we are going to go back in time to and grab one of the ten things you should know from the Crossway series. And today we are talking about ten things you should know about St. Nicholas. So not an Advent Christmas show. This is a Theologian Thursday and it's 10 things you should know about St. Nicholas. So what are some things that we should know about St. Nicholas? Nothing about Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, he's one of the most popular saints in uh, church history. Every Christian is a saint, but they had uh, designated him a saint uh, at some point in, in the 6th century. So uh, he's a popular saint. He, he, he is, um, there's no real record of him in any real document until the 6th century, but he was already famous by that time. In fact, uh, <coughs> Emperor Justinian dedicated a church to him in Constantinople, and so he was pretty well known in the Eastern Church. I was surprised at how many churches have been named after St. Nicholas. We actually, as a family, have a, a Nicholas, not named after him, um, named after the Nicholas of the Bible. But I guess you could, we have actually referred to him as St. Nicholas at times. So maybe <laughs> in the end, we have named a son after him. Is that an ironic nickname, or was he actually acting saintly? Oh, he is a saint. Oh, good. I tell you. Yeah. Well deserved then. <laughs> I have to confess that I actually know very little about St. Nicholas before prepping for the show. But if you think about his time period, you're going back in time to basically the 4th century. So yeah, there yeah, are details yeah. that are unknown about him, but you're basically dealing with the, the late... Third into the yeah, early. Yeah, he bridged the third and fourth century. He was uh, he was born in modern uh, Turkey to a wealthy family, but he lost his parents early in uh, in life, and he dedicated his fortune to the Christian Church. He was soon after appointed bishop. Uh, he was a bishop in Myra, a southern coast city in modern day Turkey. And sometimes there's there's 
unfortunate negative transfer that happens. So, and and some of it is just, I, this is going to sound harsh, but some of it's just ignorance. People forget that there was only the the Roman Catholic Church up until the Reformation. There there wasn't all of the different denominations. And so at one point, if you want to say it this way, we all were Catholic in the good sense of the word mm-hmm. and in the true sense of the word in the fact that there was one church. And so sometimes Protestants tend to disassociate themselves with people that the Church of Rome has referred to or have made saints. And we have to remember that all of those theologians that are prior to the Reformation are all of our theologians. They don't Mm -hmm. belong to the Church of Rome. They belong to all of us. They're all church fathers. And so it's okay to to actually speak fondly of mm-hmm. or positively of saints that the Church of Rome have used that phrase with. As Jonathan said, we're all saints in the biblical sense of the phrase. Mm-hmm. The you know the interesting thing about uh, Nicholas was that he he truly tr- suffered for his faith. This was a time of great persecution. There was the Diocletian. Uh, persecution under the emperor, and uh, he was said to have been imprisoned for his faith. He was uh, not a martyr. There were a number of martyrs, but those that were in prison were often called confessors uh, rather than. And so he, you know, the, this was a this was a period where uh, the emperor Diocletian hated uh, <coughs> Christians, and he and he stuffed the jails full of them. But and Bishop Nis- Nicholas spent uh, the first few years of the fourth century in a in a jail cell, facing beatings and suffering there, and it wasn't until Constantine came and legalized Christianity that he was set free. He was one of the um, the men who was at the Council of Nicaea, and that's one of the big early councils. You know, uh, Russ, you were talking about how before the Reformation. I mean, that's all of our history, and uh, the Council of Nicaea is one of those early councils that dealt with the divinity of Christ was one of the big decisions uh, made there. And that leads to one of my favorite stories of Mr. Nicholas. And it may or may not be true, but it may be embellished. But supposedly, you know, one of the the key heretic there at the council was a man named Arius who argued that Jesus was just a, a really um, beautiful creation of God, not divine in and of himself. And supposedly St. Nick got so angry that he punched Arius. And uh, I like that story. Yeah, Arius yeah. was a, was a popular then, mm-hmm. and he he put his theology into a song. Uh, there was a time when the sun was not. And the, you know, the idea that there was a time when Christ uh, didn't exist. And, uh, you know, the whole thing at Nicaea, they were – you know, there was a debate about that. Uh, you know, the, the words uh, – Homoousius and homo homoousius were being said. One would say uh, Christ was of the same substance of the as the Father, and the other one was saying that he was of like substance, and that would be the Arius <coughs> view. He was like him, but he wasn't the same as God, and so that was the that was the big debate. But and the tradition was that. Nicholas was a staunch opponent of Arianism, and uh, one uh, one biographer wrote after his death 
thanks to the teaching of St. Nicholas, the metropolis of Myra, that would be the where he was in Turkey, was untouched by the filth of Arian heresy and firmly rejected as a, it, as a death-dealing poison. Hmm. I, hopefully, um, I actually am a lover of, of church history, and, and mm-hmm. so I think it's actually important. I think it's actually biblical to, to go back in time and, and, and remember what God has done in and through his people and, and what he continues to do in and through his church. And, and so the testimony of the historical actions of God in his church, I think, are important for our faith. And the whole idea of the Nicene Creed, I think it's just important to remember that almost every time that the church has refined their teaching and have made clear statements about who we, what we believe, specifically about the Trinity, has come because of great error in the church. Arius, I don't think it's great to throw around terms loosely, but Arius was a heretic. And so he's outside of the bounds of the faith. And then it forced them at Nicaea to come up with this beautiful statement about Jesus Christ, that he is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And that's just a beautiful um, capturing of the person of Jesus Christ, that he is very God of very God. And Arius was not, was actually actively pushing against that, teaching completely opposite of that. Well, I think if I was at the Council of Nicaea, I would have wanted to punch Arius too. Um, because, and we should all feel that, that sense of, yeah. how dare you mm-hmm. speak of my Savior like that? How dare you denigrate the, the eternal Son of God? Yeah, the, um, the whole denial of his divinity, which is, it, it's appalling that, uh, you know, you call yourself a church, you know, which is the body of Christ, and you're devi- denying the divinity of, of Christ himself. Now, this doesn't prove the fact that he, he punched Arius, but they did um, later on dig up the, the grave of St. Nicholas and found out two things. One, he was short. Five foot six. So he sorry to anybody Well, he could easily fit down chimneys that way. That's right. right. That's right. But the other I'm thing kidding. they found out was that he had had a broken nose. So it just does P- feel P- like maybe uh, he was a vicious guy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Punch him above his weight class. Well, yeah. maybe maybe it's a Napoleon complex. I I don't know that part oh, yeah. of him. The the year of his death is is somewhat unknown, but. Uh, Tradition puts it in December, and uh, part of it was because of his. He was a gen. There was a generosity about Saint Nicholas. There is a lot of story and uh, uh, that surrounds it. That and there was a great number of churches dedicated to him because of that. His image is actually depicted more in the Middle Ages than than in any, any other image outside of Christ and Mary. As we get ready to move into December, remember, we're not talking about Christmas. We're right. just talking about St. Nicholas as a theologian, as a, as a church, early church father. Um, but tomorrow, December 1st, we are going to actively begin to talk about Christmas and Advent. And Advent means coming. 
And part of what we were wanting to accomplish as we move in that direction is that we want to point people to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's at least in part why we picked Nicholas, because he passionately cared about the divinity of Christ, about who Jesus was. And as we go into this Christmas season, our hope and desire is that as we talk about Jesus Christ, that that would be the the focal point of, of our celebrations, that that is where we spend most of our energy. There's nothing wrong with uh, a good Christmas prime rib. There's nothing wrong with exchanging presents and putting up lights and all of the rest of the festivities. Well, and maybe there is something wrong with all of that. Tune in tomorrow. You'll find out whether it is good or bad. But ultimately, if the Christ of Christmas is missing, then something's wrong. And I think that's at least in part what Nicholas, is, Nicholas teaches us, that we have to get the person and work of Jesus Christ correct. And then our lives are to reflect how we feel, how we think about Christ. Hopefully these 10 things have helped too, uh, as you're out there existing in, in the kind of as the world begins to celebrate Christmas, this is an opportunity to, to create those conversation moments. As people bring up uh, Santa Claus, who's loosely connected to St. Nicholas, this is an opportunity to, to ask if they know the origins and roots of the history and, and share a little bit about from church history and make a connection to uh, who Christ is and the person and work. So if you're looking for this information, you can just Google Crossway 10 Things You Should Know about St. Nicholas, and this will come up, and then you'll have at your disposal some conversation starters for the coming Advent season. Great to be with you, and we'll see you next time.